Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Kill Count, the podcast that tallies up the deaths in some of your favorite horror movies. Each episode, we dive into a classic film from purges to psychos and killer dolls to werewolves. But to raise the stakes, each episode, the team will attempt to remember the number of kills that occur and vitally the gruesome details of these demises. One host, who we like to call the Crypt Keeper, is the only one who knows which film we'll be discussing each week. The two co-hosts will have their knowledge put to the test. It is my turn to be the Crypt Keeper. My name is Dan. I'm a video editor and Jallo enthusiast. Joining me this week, we have the person who introduced me to the film Basket Case, Ali. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. We also have the Prince of Darkness himself, creator and host of Evolution of Horror Podcast, Mike Munzer. Hello. Guys, are you ready for, for this week's film? I am. You've got some interesting tastes, Dan, so I'm a bit worried about what you've picked this week, to be honest. I think this fits my persona quite well. Um, I have picked 1983's Videodrome. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Big film. Big, yeah. film. Big film. What's your immediate reaction to video uh, games? My immediate reaction is that I know more about other David Cronenberg films. Okay. But I'm familiar enough with this one that I think I could give it a good shot. Yeah? So you're confident? I feel fairly confident. Okay. I feel like I've seen this film in the last two years. Yeah. Okay. That's a decent span. It was, it was recently added to Netflix, actually. Oh, was it? Like really recently. Last no. week. That's yeah. good to know. So it's meant to be. Yeah. Mike, how do you feel about it? Not so good. I mean, <laughs> I, I love David Cronenberg. I love this film as well, but I haven't seen it in at least 10 years. It's ten been years. a really? long time since I've seen Videodrome. Yeah. Okay. And you know, there are all, as with all Cronenberg, there are images that are like burnt into my head. I <laughs> really? remember yeah. certain moments of this film very well, but specific kills, not mm. so much. Okay. So it's going to be a challenge. Well, we're going to cover those iconic moments and the kills. Uh, I wanted to ask, what was your first Cronenberg it was not Scanners, but the other one that starts with an S. Ooh. Shivers. Shivers. That mm. was his first, really his first yes. film. And yeah. it was mm. um, it was called something else, depending on where it was released They as well. came from within. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I watched that quite a few years back. I think I watched it first because I was like, i got to start at the beginning. Yeah. And that one really took a hold of me because it was it's set in a, a spooky hotel. And it's mm. kind of about people being infected and the whole population slowly meeting their demise. And it just... I mean, I think probably I'd seen The Fly before that. Okay, yeah. But in yeah. terms of like deciding I was going to watch a Cronenberg film, it would have yeah. been that one first. Because The Fly is his big one, I guess yeah. you could say, Yeah, I mean, right? it's the most mainstream one. Yeah, for sure. And it has Jeff Goldblum in it. Yeah. So. 
That's a good entry point. Mike, what was your first Cronenberg? I think it would have been The Fly. The Fly is one of my all-time favourite films, and I loved that so much that I think then I went back to the beginning, and I went back to Shivers, Rabid, Mm. Scanners, Videodrome, everything all through to Naked Lunch and Dead Ringers and all of the recent stuff as well. I'm a huge fan, um, but The Fly is definitely like a perfect film, I'd say. So I'll just give a quick reminder of the rules. Uh, Ali and Mike are now going to both write down how many kills they think occur in Videodrome. At the end of the episode, whoever gets the correct number of kills earns one point. If neither of them get it right, I as the Crypt Keeper will get the point and we'll keep score over the rest of the season to see who wins. So I'll give you time to write what you think the correct kill count is. In the meantime, for those of you that don't know, Videodrome is a techno, surrealist, sci-fi, body horror, cult classic from horror auteur David Cronenberg, his eighth feature, and often cited as one of his best. Uh, And Videodrome didn't do that well at the box office, but Cronenberg was obviously still able to carry on and carve out his name into the landscape of horror. Are you guys about ready? Uh, just give me two more seconds. I'm kind of plucking a number out of my head, so yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Ali's really going for it. She's, she's, really, she's making little... notes I, I've seen, and everything. I've seen this film, like I said, I think in the last two years I've seen it. So you're confident. You're... I, mm. The only thing I'm not confident about is, uh, well, we can talk the about it. The kill count. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The number. But um, some things which I don't know how you're going to count. Okay, right. I think I may know what you're talking about. Uh, seeing as you're confident, do you want to go first? Yeah, I've gone with six. I weirdly was also going to go six, but just to mix it up, because I was just guessing a number, I'm going to go seven. Let's go okay. one higher and go That's seven. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And we can be a little bit different. You know, yeah. There's a little bit of competition. Yeah. yeah. Before diving into the story, I just wanted to talk briefly about the cast. James Woods. Hades. Hades, yes. That was literally my next point. <laughs> um, and also the opening to Scary Movie 2, if you remember that. I mean, I remember the Scary Movie 2 because it's... spoof, because this is a horror podcast. Yeah. Huh? Oh. Is he the priest? He is the priest. The one who's sitting on the toilet with flies all over him. Mike knows. Yeah. I mean, arguably Scary Movie 2. I know this this podcast isn't about Scary Movie 2, but it's arguably the best of the Scary Movie franchise. And that's not saying a lot. <sighs> yeah. Because those aren't great so- films. Someone had to good. say it. Someone but that's the one it. I remember the best. Yeah, there's a kind of haunted house one, right? Yeah. It's more yeah. of a sort of supernatural one. That's yeah. the one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's... I'm sure what James Woods would want to be known for, that little <laughs> prologue bit. In, uh, is he still doing anything? Too. He seems to be in Family Guy a lot as well. Oh, really? He, as himself, as James Woods. There's a just constant running gags about James Woods. Can you remember who else in the cast? Blondie! It is, yes. Yeah, I've specifically put Debbie Harry as one of the deaths. So. Yeah, because she's quite good in this movie. She is. She is. I feel like she has a, she raises it above a level of big pop star being in a film yeah yeah she's very cool isn't she she's quite cool and edgy especially to be in a film like this yeah mm. yeah right exactly yeah that's what i was saying she fits in there really neatly yeah i would say so so james woods plays max wren the president of a tv station called civic tv whose tagline is the one you take to bed with you mm-hmm. which is a very good tagline mm-hmm. once, if you know this movie uh the station is known for airing lurid sensationalist material with uh, softcore pornography and violence often being shown and uh, early on in the film, we see the head honchos sitting around a, a table and deciding that they need something hot and new. What could it be? Perhaps a rogue signal from Malaysia called Videodrome depicting murder and torture? That'll get numbers up. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. If you, if you picked up a rogue signal like that, Mike, would you... 
Would your immediate decision be to make it public? It w- um, maybe not public. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends how it depends how fucked up this stuff is. I think, doesn't it? Yeah. But uh, it's definitely that is an interesting uh, kind of theme, isn't it? That's aged very well. It feels like oh, yeah. TV producers being like, "Yeah, sex and violence and nastiness and this and this. Let's throw it out there, and it will give us more ratings." I mean, that sounds pretty yeah. apt to me. Yeah. I always wondered if this film was meant to be set in the present. Because obviously it has an 80s aesthetic to it. Yeah. But I always wondered if, I don't know, his home sort of had a futuristic vibe to it. I wondered if it did. they were implying that it was set in the near future or not. David Cronenberg was definitely obsessed with technology mm. as much as he was the body. And sure. uh, this was kind of in the way, in the sort of the dawn of home video, right? And like VHS becoming mm. a thing. Yeah. And in the UK, there was this big video, nasty scare and everything and people being terrified that oh, anyone like kids can just pick up a VHS and watch all this incredibly gory, nasty, violent stuff and it will corrupt their minds kind of thing. People were really worried about that. So I think this film is definitely kind of tapping in on that as well. It's really good that that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. I'm so glad that (laughs) we've moved past that as a society. It's all behind us now. (laughs) Uh, Soon after that, we're introduced to two noteworthy characters, Debbie Harry's Nikki Brand, uh, radio presenter and psychiatrist, and Brian Oblivion, if you remember that character, uh, a pop culture analyst and philosopher uh, who comes out with this quote that he brings up a couple of times throughout the film. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Lovely. Juicy quote. Lovely. So um, those two plus Max Renner are on this chat show just kind of talking about the ethics behind uh, Civic TV's airing and Max Ren does the classy thing and he hits on Nicky Brand live on TV (laughs) and the two later have sex. A dress. It's very stimulating. And it's red. You know what Freud would have said about that dress. And he would have been right. I admit it. I live in a highly excited state of overstimulation. Listen, I'd really like to take you off to dinner tonight. Debbie Harry's character is She's into... a saucy lady. She is, yeah, yeah, put it that way. She asks uh, Max Wren to, to just nick her, cut her on, on her shoulder. Yeah. Uh, just before making love to her. And then Max Ren realizes that she has all these like tallies of cuts on her shoulder. So that's the kind of uh, character we have with Debbie Harry. Max Ren soon finds out that the signal isn't coming from Malaysia, but from Pittsburgh, interestingly. And I think they're based in Toronto. Yeah, I was going to say, because Cronenberg is Canadian, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so Nikki is just like immediately infatuated with Videodrome and the idea of Videodrome that she just... Out of the blue says she's going on a business trip to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and she's going to audition for Videodrome. I do feel like when I watched this film for the first time, some of this plot was lost on me. Yeah. It is really I think dense. The, the, the plot is quite complex to follow, isn't it? Really I mean, dense, it's, yeah. it's not even that the plot is actually that complex, but it's laid out yeah. that way. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah. It's very ambiguous because I think it's more of a film driven by ideas than totally. yeah. by plot. Yeah, and it was a struggle condensing this. <laughs> I can imagine. In, into the st- so if at any point you're confused, just let me know. Because mm-hmm. I think I have a handle on, on what happens, but maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. But yeah, it's a difficult plot to just describe in words, I suppose, isn't it? Because like you said, it's more about the mood and atmosphere of what... You've got to watch it to experience it in a way, yeah. haven't you, I think? 100%. Kind of like with David Lynch, it's like it's hard to yeah. just describe it as a plot. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Basically, the mystery around Videodrome is slowly cranking up, basically. Every minute that passes, more questions are being asked about Videodrome. And uh, sometimes we get answers like, for instance, Max finds out that Videodrome is real. It's not scripted. What is happening on screen is really happening. 
Uh, and I think that makes him buy into it even more. Can uh, I ask a question about that? Please. Because yeah. this is where my question about the kill count came in. Okay. Because there's obviously people being snuffed on yes. the Videodrome. And I, I didn't know how to account for that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how you've accounted for that, Dan. We can discuss that when a specific kill comes up. Okay. Because there is one instance where I thought about adding it to the count. Okay. So we'll, we will get to that. But that, that is interesting. Yeah. Well, because it's kind of, it's always kind of on in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. did that person die? Were they just tortured a little bit? Who can tell, really? Yeah. It is difficult to yeah. tell. It is difficult. I always find that with. I know. I always with television these days. I just, <laughs> I don't know if people are really dying on my screens. So Max, in his quest to find out more about Videodrome, has led to Father Oblivion, uh, a.k.a. Brian Oblivion, isn't actually his real name, uh, who appeared on that chat show at the beginning, but he appeared on a TV screen, on a TV set that was there on the chat show set because he doesn't want to appear in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just prop an iPad places where I need to be. <laughs> in fact, I'm not here now in the studio. <laughs> Max can't find Oblivion, but he can find his daughter, Bianca, who says that her father hasn't engaged in conversation in 20 years. He is, however, given a VHS from Father Oblivion. He plays it. And this is, I think, one of the iconic moments you may have been referring to, mm. Mike, uh, when the TV starts <laughs> throbbing. And he has a kind of like um, VCR, VHS vagina slot in his stomach, right? Yes, that, yeah. that is coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he starts to kind of hallucinate. Kind of yeah. yeah. The um, sense of reality, definitely. The TV starts going all squidgy and soft. Squidgy is the right word. Squidgy yeah. and soft. That's how I would describe almost every David Cronenberg film as squidgy. <laughs> like yeah. Squidgy and gross. There's always a level of squidginess yeah. to these movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, this one specifically, he, he buries his face into the TV that is depicting uh, Nicky Brown's lips. That's right. Rick Baker, special effects artist who worked on this. Legend. Who is best known for probably his work on American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Mm. He won and an Oscar for that. He yeah. did indeed. Yeah, he goes all out in this movie. I remember the VHS tapes very specifically. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it happens in this part, but just the image of a squidgy, as you say, yeah. my mm. like VHS tape kind of pulsating. Yeah. yeah. Everything is like throbbing and pulsating and there are veins, even these small details. It's, it's very sexual. Oh, <laughs> very. Yeah. He's obsessed. I mean, every single Cronenberg film, even sh- uh, Shivers, like the one you were talking about, Ali, the, the parasites that crawl inside people just look like little dicks. Don't mm. I don't know if you remember, mm. they're just all little phallus, phallic-shaped parasites. And yeah. Everything is some form of genitalia in every yeah. in every single one of his films. I, I recently think. watched, um, I think the most was recent Cronenberg film I watched was The Brood uh-huh, which I'd yeah. never seen before that's great and that one is disturbing yes because uh, it's like the the sacks of human like babies that <laughs> yeah. are coming off of her at the end oh and have you guys seen Existence that's yes. what, oh, with Jude Law where they kind of plug themselves into a video game yeah but they literally plug them and they have these little like sphincter like orifices <laughs> That they literally plug themselves into uh, video game that is, consoles. That with. is arguably my favorite Cronenberg it's, film. Uh, it's basically mm. like the video game equivalent of Videodrome, right? Yes. It's sort of yes. the same theme, but 10 years on with a different it's medium. It's campier. It is campier, definitely. Yeah, it's great. So I wanted to ask the obvious question here. If you could bury your face into a screen, what would you want to be on the screen? Maybe we can make it horror themed. Oh, because I was going to say Keanu Reeves, but I feel oh, like... Oh, well, <laughs> we can go uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, is he in any horror films? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. That's the only one yes, I can think is. of. That's quite a kind of lush film, you know? We can go with that. bathe in that one. No, I mean, I should probably think of something spookier. I think I would take a leaf out of your book, down and go with a, a giallo mm. because they're they're just quite 
luscious and spectacular. I would maybe, I would maybe get in there with Suspiria. You know, oh, man. Uh, those yeah. sets and that music and that blood and that. I yeah. would, I'd go for that. I yeah. think that's yeah. a good answer. Mm. Yeah. Wouldn't you have? issues with uh, the language barrier <laughs> well i'd suddenly be dubbed oh, if i sure. if i, yes, I, I face planted <laughs> into a squishy version of suspiria I'd that's be the dubbed. beauties of uh, the beauty of jallows <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true doesn't matter what language you speak <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can sit with keanu reeves you. I, I'll, I'll let you have i keanu feel reeves. strongly about that answer yeah no, no, no it's i'm fine. gonna stick with it fine. keanu reeves in you can't in go wrong with keanu Dracula. reeves Sure. Or what's yeah. that other one that's really bad that he's in where the two girls hold him hostage? Oh, knock knock. Yeah. I mean that is an atrocious terrible. Film. But uh We'll go Dracula. Yeah, we'll go Dracula. Dracula's a little bit better. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> um, so as you said earlier, hallucinations is exactly what uh, Max Ren is experiencing. And we do find out concretely that Videodrome causes hallucinations. It alters perceptions of reality. And uh, to be really specific, these hallucinations are caused by a brain tumor that any viewer will develop when they watch Videodrome. So they, they explain that very explicitly. Uh, and it's here that we uncover the truth about Father Oblivion. Can you remember it, Mike? Because when I said his name, you gave me a knowing look. No. no. I, <laughs> you do. I'm yeah, happy to on. take this one. Okay. He, he's dead. He's, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't actually exist in the flesh. Oh. He um he's a series of videotapes that he's recorded. Absolutely true. Yeah. So basically, uh, Father Oblivion uh, helped create or created Videodrome because he thought it was the future of TV. But his partners in this venture turned on him and wanted to use it for nefarious reasons. Uh, they soon killed Oblivion, but not before he pre-recorded thousands of videos of him explaining everything so that he could live on after his death and his uh, daughter is kind of doing his bidding and playing appropriate videos for appropriate scenarios. And it is now, Mike, that uh, Max Ren does get that VHS-shaped yes. hole in his torso and there's a moment he's he's always like itching it and we see like a rash Ooh. and then there's one moment where the rash turns into this full-on hole. Yeah. Um, and he's carrying a gun all the time yeah uh, and he's itching it with the gun and then he goes inside of himself with the gun and he performs a little bit of magic because when he takes his hand out 
there's no gun. I feel like we could probably refer to it as a VCR vagina, and that <laughs> would be vagina. more apt. Yeah. I can, he I lost his gun in his VCR vagina. It happens. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> We've all been there. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> I was going to say with the, um, with the tape thing with Oblivion, I feel like that's one of the most interesting parts of the film because mm. like, I'm sure we can talk about this at multiple points, but just how like obviously the, the technology itself is outdated, but that idea feels so fresh even now. Mm, Especially, yeah. I mean, obviously Cronenberg couldn't account for social media in 1983, but I feel like how many of us have hours and hours of footage recorded or, yeah, you know. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Of ourselves. So much of this has aged really well, actually. It has. Even transhumanism, like the idea that now people can yeah. tap in or play contactless with their hand instead of with a phone or whatever because you yeah. can get an implant. It's be- that we are becoming a David Cronenberg film in a way. <laughs> <laughs> that is so disturbing. It is, isn't oh, it? So but less levels. pulsating in real life. Less, yeah, it's a shame that. It's less squidgy <laughs> than, than it should be. But yeah. yeah. It's now that we meet a character who I think has the best name in the film, Barry Convex. <laughs> if you remember Barry. Uh, Barry is head of Spectacular Optical, who are the ones that make Videodrome or made Videodrome. This whole time, Barry and Harlan who was the uh, engineer at the at Civic TV, were intentionally exposing Max to Videodrome to make him go crazy and mm. eventually kill him. Mm. So it wasn't an accident that he picked up this rogue signal. It was all calculated. They share this plan that they're going to uh, broadcast Videodrome publicly so that all the people that would watch something like that are eradicated because only sleazy people would watch that and they want to get rid of all the sleaze. That's their plan. It's quite a logical plan. It, it feels like it, yeah. yeah. In terms of like these big bad guys with evil plans of word domination, it's quite smart. Mm. It reminds me of Halloween 3 a little bit. It is a yeah. bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so they literally control Max. They give him uh, a VHS. They put it into his VHS vagina. And it's like he's now a puppet. He's brainwashed and he's doing exactly what they say. He's able to fish the gun back out from inside of himself. And he puts it to good use because we get our first kill. Mm-hmm. Now, do we know any mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. whose first kill could be? Like, I think he kills two people in a boardroom. Oh, I remember that. I was about to say, is it somebody in a boardroom? I think yeah. it's two people. That's, that's all I remember. Like two kind of producer type people. Yeah. That is extremely on the money. It's a double kill. Uh, it's roughly an hour in. It is his, uh, his other kind of colleagues, the head honchos at Civic TV. Oh. It's just those three in the boardroom and then all these people come rushing in because they hear the, the gunshots and Max is like, oh, they, they killed us, they killed us. No one suspects him, right? Mm. There are three guys in a room, mm. two are dead <laughs> and Max just kind of fumbles out of there. Yeah. He hides his like handgun because his gun has no fuse with his hand. I oh, say, yeah. If you remember that. Yes. I also feel like we talked before about the ambiguity of the story and I feel like at this point, his reliability as a narrator has completely left the building. Because I, yeah. the first time I watched this movie, I've seen it a couple of times, and I remember the first time I watched it, I actually feel like I kind of lost interest about halfway through because I genuinely couldn't understand what was going yeah, on. Yeah, totally. It takes a couple of watches, I think. Yeah, Yeah, and I, I feel like even when he's quote-unquote brainwashed, you might not read that from his performance. You kind of, yeah. It's hard to tell if he's acting of his own volition or not. Mm. And, and that's not even the end of it. Like, there's another layer. Mm. It is dense. More it dense is. than you would expect mm. from this yeah. kind of movie. Yeah. Um, so he's got two kills down. He then goes for a third, which is Bianca. Does he kill Bianca? Is that Blondie? 
That is not Blondie. Oh. Bianca is Father Oblivion's daughter. Oh. No. No. No is correct. He does not. He tries to, but um, Bianca basically um, realizes what's happened, mm-hmm. that these big bad guys have controlled him and sent him to kill her. So what she does is she prepares a tape, which is a tape of Blondie, uh, aka Debbie Harry, aka Nikki Brand, um, being killed on Videodrome. They used her image to seduce you, but she was already dead. Don't back away. I stole it from them just for you to see. I have that one. I have that one. That is the next one. Yeah. yeah. Did you have that one? Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, right. <laughs> no, I knew Debbie Harry Yeah, died. no, I remember Debbie mm. Harry dying yeah. in it. Yeah. And this was the one that I was a bit shaky on because she yeah. dies in Videodrome without even getting into the discussion of is Videodrome real? Does it count? Did she really go to Pittsburgh? Yes. Um, we don't actually see her die, I don't think, oh, on right, screen. Okay. We see her get s- choked, strangled, I think. I'm still counting it. Okay. Yeah. Is, I think you can count that. I think yeah. you should because I put it down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're up to three, right? Is that, that right? is three. Also, okay. um, the place that – we didn't talk about this, but I remember this. This is another, like, thing that I remember really specifically from this film. is like a homeless shelter, but it's, like, for people to watch TV in. Yes. So um, in my quest to try and lean down the story as much oh, as possible, yes, okay. I didn't mention that. But, yeah, so uh, Father Oblivion and his daughter basically work out of this homeless shelter where you're right. It's just homeless people watching TV, basically. Mm-hmm. And what was the point of that? Was it? Are they sort of some sort of test subject or experiment or is something? It, yeah, is, is that... it that or is it like a moral thing where they're like TV could also be used to create a valuable moral compass right, or something sort of like that? Right, to educate or enhance yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 I was kind of hoping no one would ask this question. <laughs> there were so many details of this film that yeah. I tried to remember. But I think it is along those lines about um, monitoring what is being shown, but also the effect of what is being shown on people. Mm. Uh, and I think they get something in, in return, like food or shelter, I guess. <laughs> They're not just like that. And they get hours of television. Exactly. Exactly. So Bianca saves him, basically, and converts Max. Max is watching that video of Nikki Brand dying. The video, the screen, sorry, there's a gun that kind of pushes out of the screen, shoots Max, yeah, and that is effectively him converting. So oh, he's no longer brainwashed. He's now doing Bianca's bidding, but mm. shall we say it's a good, you know, in quotation marks, mm. right. good bidding. And uh, she's flipped him. So now he is going on to his fourth kill. Do we know whose fourth kill it is? One of the guys from... Videodrome. S- yeah, Spectacular Optical. Yeah, well, it's Harlan, the engineer. Oh, uh, right, the guy from the beginning. The guy Malaysia from the beginning man. who, yeah, has glasses, curly hair. Is this where we're now in a kind of big, like conference type thing or something that is, is that coming up okay that is coming up we're not there yet he goes back to harlan harlan still thinks this is what i meant about like layers to it so mm. harlan thinks max is still brainwashed oh, and is working right. for videodrome he doesn't know that he's now been converted so harlan says oh you've you've done your duties you've killed who you're supposed to kill let me give you another vhs and he goes to put another vhs in his vhs vagina puts his hand in and when he pulls his hand out it's all like a bloody, gooey, squidgy Cronenberg stump. See you in Pittsburgh. Like, I remember this kill and I've put it down, but I also feel like most of the film he's hallucinating. He thinks he's killed people he hasn't killed. Yeah, um, yeah it could be that none of it, this has happened. 
But you know what? We're going to count the kills that I've put down because... Oh, um, yeah. I think we've got to count all the ones we actually see yes. happen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I guess we have to. Yeah. We should. We should. But it's a totally valid point. Like There are parts earlier in the movie where uh, his assistant comes in and she tries to grab a video and he freaks out and he slaps her. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, I'm sorry for slapping you. She says, what do you mean? You didn't slap me. Mm. So does is this happening? Is this mm. not happening? Who knows? I think we should take a breather now and maybe discuss a B-movie of the week. Okay, because again, I didn't know what we were discussing this week, but this is right. actually a very apt recommendation, I would say. Uh, so, the movie I was going to recommend, the B-movie I was going to recommend, it's a film called Beyond the Gates. Have you guys ever seen or heard of Beyond the Gates? I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I haven't. quite recent. I think it's 2016, uh, and it stars Barbara Crampton, who is like... A bit of a horror icon from the 80s. She was in movies mm-hmm. like From Beyond, uh, Reanimator, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of those mm-hmm. 80s squishy body horror type <laughs> movies. Uh, and this is very much a kind of 80s throwback. And it's actually all about a videotape. Do you guys remember those board games that you used to play that came with a videotape? And you'd put the tape on and it would be like kind of give you instructions or whatever and you'd play the game and it would tell you what to do and there'd mm-hmm. be a, like a voice talking yeah. to you. Do you remember that? There was a really famous one. I, I don't know if it was kind of outside of the UK as well, but there was a really famous one called Atmosphere. Um, I think it was also called Nightmare and it was like a horror themed game where like this really kind of haggard monstrous person is on the screen and he's like, right, player one, roll the dice and does all these kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and it's basically like that. It's like a horror version of that where these guys find in this old video store that's closing down this board game called beyond the gates and they play it and put the tape on and it's barbara crampton and she's like right are you ready to play beyond the gate and then they roll the dice and bad stuff starts happening right basically. so it's kind of like a kind of horror version of jumanji meets <laughs> videodrome because it is all about kind of is this woman on the television screen real and is she actually communicating with them and all this kind of stuff uh, right. i really realized good. as you were talking about it I've seen it. Aha! Uh-huh, like, as soon as you said Barbara Crampton, I was like, no, wait, this sounds familiar. Yeah. And because they work in a, like in, a video- a, in a video store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their dad w- yes. owned it. And I think he's passed away. So they go to this old video store to kind of clear it out. And that's where they find this old board yeah. game. And they're like, let's play it. Yeah. I yeah. remember this because I watched it because of Barbara Crampton. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think I Legend. watched it like a couple of years ago now. I forgot that it was called that. That's I know. So funny. It's, ah, it's uh, a, it was a good film. It's really good. It's really good. And it gets more and more bonkers. And there's a few really nasty, squidgy deaths and uh, quite a lot of blood. And it's quite a lot of comedy and just loads and loads of that 80s nostalgia. Right. It's like filled with 80s music, lots of references to, you know, like VHS and all that kind of stuff. So if you love that scene and that kind of era that Videodrome is from, this movie is really, it's made for people that love that kind of stuff. Right. And it came out in 2016. Yeah, 2016. I think it might okay. be on Netflix as well. Really? It's definitely streaming somewhere. It's, it could be Amazon Prime, but it is. Uh, you gate. can find it. It's called Beyond the Gates. Beyond the Gates. Yeah, I'm it's worth a watch. Mm. Okay. So we are up to four kills. Ali, do you want to guess what the next kill is? If there is a next kill. Um, it was what Mike was saying. You, I think you knew where we were at with the next kill. It was in a, in a He's conference center. He's kind of center. shooting up a big conference, right? Yeah, because I can't remember. Right. It was like a, it was for spectacular optical. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 for eyeglasses. But it's batshit crazy. It's like <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like what kind of conference is this for eyeglasses? Yeah, it doesn't make so. It's all themed about around the um, like old Medici family. I don't oh, know why. Right, right. I don't know what Barry Convex's marketing scheme is, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, poor poor old Barry Convex. He is he's the next kill. 
Um, probably the killer of the movie. I remember and this, this is like Rick Baker going all out. Yeah, I remember He's, this. Everything like popping, convulsing his face, like all out. And so that is the fifth kill and then he heads out into the world where we kind of have our last quite memorable set of the movie can you remember what it is i don't remember where he goes but i do recall how the film ends i can i can build you up to it so he goes to this abandoned like old dilapidated boat and uh he just because because he's like a wanted man now people have figured out that he's the one shooting everyone up and his face is uh on the news and everything so he goes to this boat and he just chills out and the tv turns on do you remember? Yeah, it's here? well at this point because there's a TV, there's a working TV. On yeah, I think it's like Debbie Harry appears to him yes. as a vision, mm-hmm. and she basically entices him to commit suicide and and become the new flesh. So I think we even see it twice. Like we see him watching himself do it. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then he kills himself with the with his gun that's also his hand. <laughs> yeah, that is one hundred percent. I think it's a really good ending. Long live the new flesh. I'm sure many a film critic and many a film student have written uh, yeah. ex- like long essays trying to unwind the meaning of this film. But Absolutely. I do feel like, as we said before, it is probably still worth commenting on even today because it, like with all of social media and our ties to our phones and our screens, it just feels, even when you're watching it, feels really engaging still. Yeah. So that is the kill count, six. Oh, is it? Okay. Six. No, yeah. because I thought you were going to include stuff on Videodrome itself so I didn't know I would be if I would be right well oh. you are congratulations oh, so now I'm annoyed uh, I went one up to say oh, yeah, <laughs> damn it oh, <laughs> when you, you said that I was like Mike you need oh. to stick <laughs> you need to stick <laughs> nice good work well thanks, done good thanks. memory so we go into this episode with Mike on one point Ali on one point and me on zero I was hoping to get one point at least but I'm still bottom Ali gets the point because she gets six Woo. So Ali is on top two, Mike with one, and me at the bottom with zero. Oh, still all to play for. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Kill Count. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kill Count Pod. And check out our YouTube channel, Fear, the Home of Horror. Thank you again. Kill Count is hosted by Ali Penelope, Mike Munzer, and Dan Yakun. Produced by Jay Cunningham and Jake Yard. Edited by Jamie Maisner. Social media by Ugne Dereshkevichuta. Thank you for sticking around. As a treat, you get a little horror haiku from Ali. All right, you guys ready? I'm so ready. I'm ready. Venetian Gothic. Little red raincoat running. Church glass shattering. Oh, beautiful. Lyrical. That is good. I like it. And I know what it is. I think, I think I know what it is. Don't Look Now? It is, yeah. Did you know it as well? I did. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because okay, you love so that movie. I love Don't Look Such Now. Such a good film. It's one of it? my favorite horror films of all time. Yeah. And you know what I recently found out about it? Is that it's based off of a novella by Daphne du Maurier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Who wrote, who wrote Rebecca. Because yeah. I just finished reading Rebecca. Right. Uh, and I loved it. It's, a, it's amazing. The book's amazing as well. But you wouldn't... Because... Uh, Nick Rogue's film is so cinematic, you wouldn't know it was based on a book in a way. It doesn't feel no, like something that's, that's based on a novel, does it? He's done such an amazing job at adapting it. But yeah. yeah I was great. in a class in uh, my first year of university called uh, Venice and Art and Literature. 
and we had to watch that film with a professor. And if you've seen that film, you know how awkward that must have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that sex scene. Yeah. I went to Venice last year and uh, did a recreation, and I put on a red Mac, and I ran uh, across uh, a bridge and into an alley, and I've got a video of it, so I'll retweet it. That um, is hilarious. When this episode is out. Yeah. That's yeah. so yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> the world needs to see that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.